1: Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with you for another installment of the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media. My pleasure this week to welcome back old friend Jen McCaffrey of the Athletic doing an outstanding job covering the Red Sox and all things baseball for uh the Athletic Boston. You can follow her on Twitter, should be following her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey, all one word. And uh Jen, I must tell you that uh, I admire your uh itiveness for hanging with me here uh you're feeling a little bit under the weather
0: thanks trag yeah um trying to power through that's how the early part of the season goes so yeah it is
1: exactly how the uh, Early part of the season goes, you know, as well as anybody that a big part of the success that the Red Sox have always had in bringing young players along is putting enough support around them. And in this particular case, you obviously have the support and manager, Alex Cora, uh, and you have Jason Veritek. But I want to read this quote Um first of all, from Alex Cora, just to be able to slow it down behind the plate against one of the best offensive clubs in the big leagues and just think about the process and the scouting report and what we have to do, it was a great game. Um, You know, you're talking about, um, obviously, Tuesday night's game, but in general, Alex Cora, I think, wants to have that kind of theory apply to Connor Wong as he steps in and tries to fill uh, Christian Vasquez's shoes.
0: Yeah. He, you know, they, a lot of people, you know, that I've talked to about Wong have just talked about how calm he is and how he takes things as they come. And he's not someone that kind of gets overly uh, excited or hyped, which is a good thing for a catcher because, you know, he's just trying to, um, you know, be level-headed and and calm behind the plate for his pitchers. So I think that's a good, good quality for a young guy to have, um, especially in a situation like this.
1: Jason Veritek, um, you quoted him as well, saying that he's very coachable. And what struck me was he absorbs a lot of information and the obvious um corollary to that or the the subsequent thought to that is it's one thing to absorb it it's another to apply it in pressure situations and Veritech was obviously outstanding in doing that Um, and I think that's what you're going to look for from Connor Wong can he absorb all of the information all of that those scouting reports obviously I mean he's done this along his minor league career but can he do it at the major league level where there tends to be more information put upon the catcher.
0: Yeah, ton more information. A lot of new pitchers that he doesn't necessarily know. Um, he he hadn't even caught a lot of those guys in that in the bullpen even this spring, even though he's been around um, for a couple of years. So yeah, it's a lot. And you know, um, he might you know he might not be like the number one catching prospect in the in you know in baseball. But I think the fact that he has, um, like Veritek said, just this ability to kind of absorb and implement information. Um, maybe he's not the number one talented guy, but he can, um, take, uh, suggestions and advice from Veritech or Gedman or Epperson or whoever he's worked with in the past and be able to kind of, um, put it into action is, is just as important as having the pure talent itself. So, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how he does, but, um, you know, um, the pressure is definitely on over the next few days and he handled it well in that first game.
1: Um, what about his offense? I mean, a lot of Red Sox fans, especially given the fact that this club has struggled or been incredibly inconsistent, that may be a better way of putting it offensively to start the year. What can he offer realistically, uh, behind the plate, uh, when he comes to the plate?
0: Yeah, he's actually a pretty decent, um, you know, offensive player. Um, you know, I had those at-bats last night were, were pretty good for a guy that hasn't seen major league pitching, obviously since last year. So, um yeah he's he's uh I think you would probably label him more as an offensive first catcher you know he had been around um bounced around like he's a he's a almost a utility player in a sense and they transitioned him to a full-time catcher so um I think the bat is almost more of what you're going to get out of him um which maybe is a good thing for the Red Sox yeah um but uh but yeah, obviously working on the defensive side and, and has been looked, you know, has looked good so far, but yeah, the Red Sox offense just, you know, needs to find its rhythm. Obviously a lot of teams, you know, early, I mean, obviously Toronto is supposed to have a terrific offense too. And they had one run, you know, on, on Tuesday night. So I don't think it's just a Red Sox issue across the board. Home runs have been down in major league baseball and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, offense in general has been just has been down. And it's, I think it's just a byproduct of a short camp and guys trying to ramp things up and get on the same page. But yeah, the Red Sox, I think we'll find their groove. It's just a matter of, yeah. of yeah. Um, when, and, um, you know, probably sooner than later, but you know, it has been a little painful to watch some of these games and missed opportunities because they are getting guys on base, which is good. Um, and it's not like they're not hitting at all. It's just cashing in. And, you know, obviously that's what they need. So they, they just need to kind of get, get into a, a groove a little bit.
1: I think it was the first or second inning last night, first and second, nobody out, and they couldn't score. And uh, obviously Toronto uh, came up with the home run, the solo home run. Um, was Zach Collins, I believe, the lefty uh, off uh, Nate Avaldi. and that uh, gave Toronto an early one nothing lead. And I'm just thinking, boy, this offense just, you got to get ahead in some of these games to put take more of the stress off the starting pitching, I think, especially in a game like last night. But what amazed me about last night was this following statistic. Red Sox won despite collecting a season low three hits. It was their third win over the last 11, not months, (laughs) seasons. With three hits or fewer, only twice in the last 11 seasons have the Red Sox won a game with, um, three hits or fewer in that time frame. August 27th of uh, last year at Cleveland and July 10th of 2014 against the White Sox at Fenway Park. Did that stat blow your mind?
0: Yeah, I didn't even see that, but yeah, it's, that's, you know, I guess it's kind of doing a lot with a little bit, you know, trying to eke out the wins where you can and, um, yeah, like two nights ago they had 10 or 11 hits and that was the most hits they'd had in the loss. So I feel like it's hard, um, you know, to read a lot into, uh, the offense being so, um, you know, anemic right now, but, um, but yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. And, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's going to take it's not going to just turn on a switch. I'm sure it's going to be some games where they look good and some where they look bad until they finally kind of even things out.
1: How do you think Trevor's stories look so far at at hitting uh, 259?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's another guy you can definitely tell is still trying to find a rhythm. You know, this is all extremely new to him, you know. Um, only had 11 at bats in spring training, you know, had the food poisoning. His wife had their first baby. Like he moved across the country. Like you can definitely, I know people want to see a lot more out of him, but you can definitely understand why he hasn't kind of hit a stride yet. Um, he's dealing with a lot on his plate right now. So, um, he's had the hits here and there and he's looked good defensively. So it's not like, you know, you're not getting anything out of him. He's, he's helped them a lot in, in that area. So um, yeah, I mean, I, again, it's another guy where, you know, you're assuming he'll, he'll fall into a rhythm and a groove soon. Um, just the craziness of the past month. I think he signed only a month ago. Um, it was around like the right end end of March. So, I mean, um, it's been a wild month for him. So I think that's kind of caught up to him, but I, I think he's, you know, he's had a couple of good at-bats and, you know, he's, he hasn't looked, um he's looked better you know as the games have gone on the first few games there it was it was obvious he was kind of off on his timing but he he has had some you know uh solid contact and things like that and a couple hits here and there where there's glimpses that this is you know he's going to break out of it um but you you can kind of almost give him a pass just with everything that he's been dealing with the past month or so and I'm sure he'll kind of fall into a rhythm soon
1: I would agree with that, Uh, certainly. And, And to your point, Trevor Story didn't start playing baseball for the Red Sox until the very last week of uh, spring training. I believe the last Wednesday wrapped around to Monday. He was the first time he really had played in spring training games for the Red Sox. So again, I I think you're absolutely right. He is what he is. I mean, he is a very professional hitter who's going to wind up hitting north of 300. I'd be shocked if he didn't. That's Jen McCaffrey. She covers the Red Sox for uh, the athletic and does a wonderful job doing so. You can follow her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey, all one worth NBA playoffs are in full steam and MLB is also back in business with spring training now completed and opening day past us. And we are now fully into the regular season from all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is your number one spot for your sports betting needs head on over to the website or as always you can use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your very favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts back with Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic covering all things Red Sox for The Athletic. Follow her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey, all one word. She has a great story out uh, today. After winding road to the majors, catcher Connor Wong has a chance to show the Red Sox he can be part of their future. We spent uh, most of the first half of this podcast talking about that. Now I want to get into something else, uh, Jen, and that is how you think Alex Cora is going to use Garrett Whitlock going forward. We've seen a tremendous effort by the bullpen so far to start this season. The bats haven't been there, but the bullpen has. I think you would agree with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the bullpen, you know, we weren't sure what we're gonna, you know, get out of them. um, And they've been very good so far. And, um, you know, at some point, they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, there's, they're gonna break at some point, Um, but they've looked really good so far. And I think, you know, that's kind of been probably one of the surprises of of the year um, at this point.
1: Did, uh, I believe I saw your tweet uh, after the two, after the game Tuesday night uh, that Alex Cora said it was a tough spot to put Garrett Whitlock in. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I mean they they're they're trying to use Whitlock as kind of like that multi inning you know piggybacking off of a you know a Rich Hill or or you know any any starter really to kind of close close out the game from like the sixth through the ninth. That's kind of how they want to use him um, and, and stretch him out there, but. Uh, the way the game was going last night, also against a division opponent, like the blue Jays, they know these games are going to be tough and, you know, they had a chance to win. And he was also just referencing the COVID outbreak on the team and how it was a tough day for them. Um, he saw an opportunity to win the game. And so he brought what Whitlock in, in a, in a one inning kind of closing situation that he has, hasn't done this year. Obviously Whitlock kind of filled in that role more last year with those two inning, um, you know stints that he would do but um yeah Whitlock got it done and they got the win so I mean that's that's kind of key we'll see you know at the end of the game he said he does kind of want to stick Whitlock in that kind of again multi-inning role so I don't know that we'll see that that much more often going forward but he thinks that he provides a lot more value um with that role versus just the one inning you know at the end of the game
1: Whitlock is 1-0. He picked up, obviously, the save on Tuesday night. He has a 0.93 ERA. That'd be a great whip, but that's his ERA. His whip is down to a 0.59, and opponents are hitting just 120 off of him uh, this season. I mean, and now that's you know, covering four relief outings. Just outstanding uh, work from Garrett Whitlock.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's picked up where he left off last year. Um, he's looked really good and he's obviously, I think he's probably the most important guy in this roster right now for them. So um, yeah, he, he looks great. And I think, you know, if they just need him to kind of keep doing what he's doing because um, he's, he's such an important guy for them.
1: I want to ask you about one moment in the game on Tuesday night that I think a lot of Red Sox fans were wondering about, and that is first and second uh, with two out and uh Alex Cora goes out to get Nate Avaldi after 91 pitches. I think I know the answer to this question, but why does he go out to get him? Is it because of the 90 or 91 pitches uh, that he was at? Or was it because, as we mentioned earlier, he had given up a home run uh, to the batter he was about to face?
0: Yeah, I think he was, uh, yeah, that. And he wanted, I think Strom came in in that situation, if I remember correctly. And yes. I, um, yeah, I think he kind of liked that matchup there. And, and, and just knew that it was a grind of a game for even though Nate hadn't given up, you know, a ton of runs or, you know, wasn't getting out of hand. He, he obviously was having a, a taxing game and, you know, his stuff wasn't working the way um, it normally does. So I think he saw that opportunity to, you know, turn to a guy that could face, you know, Strom and, and or be a better matchup, I guess, for Strom than it was for Valdi.
1: Anything stick out to you about the way? Alex Cora is using his bullpen early on in the season as effective as it's been.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been sort of that like Strom, Diekman, Robles, um, like trio that's really kind of anchored them there. Um, So that's, that, I guess that sticks out as, you know, we were wondering what the setup would be um, in terms of, you know, who would get what innings and he's really um, over the first, you know, 10 or 12 games or so he's really turned to that, that group when they have the lead, um, more times than not. So um, yeah, they've all looked relatively good. Obviously you would like to see Matt Barnes get going, you know, that's still a work in progress. um, And clearly he hasn't figured that out because he hasn't been used in, in wins or in, in big situations. So um, yeah, I mean, but by and large they've been, they've been good um, and holding their own and um, we'll see if they can keep it up.
1: I want to finish on this note and it is, Uh, Going to be kind of a solemn uh, occasion, uh, but a celebratory occasion before Wednesday night's game as the Red Sox honor um, the life and times of Hall of Famer Jerry Remy. And obviously everybody has a Remy story to uh, share. And I'm wondering if you have a, a story to share about Jerry Remy or what you remember about him um, as you were getting into the business uh, as a New Englander and, and what uh, Jerry Remy's, uh, how he influenced you uh, covering the Red Sox.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up listening to him, you know, listening, watching Red Sox games, um, you know, as a kid. So just to be able to kind of work alongside him and see him every day was such a a pleasure and a joy and to kind of get to know him. Um, he was just, you know, all the stories you hear about him are that's exactly who he was. He was such a, he loved the game. He loved being at the park. You know, he'd always be the first guy you ran into. Even if you thought you were getting there early, he'd probably been there for several hours already. He just loved being at the park and, um, yeah, he was just a terrific guy, you know, and and um really loved what he did and I think, you know, it it shows in in the fans and how they loved him back. Um it'll be a really nice yeah, tribute for him tonight, I'm sure and it's nice that they're wearing those patches, you know, on their on their jerseys all throughout the year. Um, you know, no one's ever going to forget Jerry, but just um to be able to kind of have that little um you know, stationary reminder on their jerseys every night is also just a, a really nice little touch to um, just to, to keep his memory, you know, present um, every single moment throughout the game.
1: Well said, Jen. I appreciate those thoughts and uh, I echo those thoughts. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Jen McCaffrey, covering the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for The Athletic. Also want to thank our great sponsor, BetOnline.ag. For Jen McCaffrey, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.